Are you a small business owner looking to take your business to the next level? Are you interested in starting a business but don't know where to begin? Welcome to the Source Capital Podcast, where we help entrepreneurs gain a better understanding of the capital raising process and help them get the funding necessary to start and grow their business. I'm your host, Corey Townsend, and I help people start and grow businesses. Use those businesses to create and manage wealth and use their wealth to establish and preserve their legacy. All right, super excited today to have with us Gaisha Blackshear. She is an economist, and one of the things that I think is very important for entrepreneurs to have a better understanding of is how economics can impact their business, what things to be looking for in terms of the current economic climate in order to make the proper adjustments for their business so they can be successful. But before we get into all that, I would love to learn a little bit more about Gaisha and introduce her to you. And so, Gaisha, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where are you from and uh, what was it like to grow up there? Well, thank you so much for having me on your show. I'm so excited to be here. But as far as where I'm from, I'm from Riverdale, Georgia. If you all are not familiar with that particular region, I describe it as a minority suburb. It was like a mixture of like, I would say middle class and as well as lower middle class. So it was kind of like I had a very diverse upbringing. So Mm -hmm. I mean, but overall, I felt as if that it built character and as well as it made me who I am today. So did you always want to be an economist? Was little Gaisha, you know, 10 years old looking at the Wall Street Journal or the Financial Times and trying to figure out what GDP was going to be like in the next quarter or uh, how did that evolve? Not at all. I actually discovered this particular career path in college. I began as a dual degree engineering major. So I had aspirations to go to like Georgia Tech and first start at Spelman with a chemistry degree and then transition over to Georgia Tech to get a degree in chemical engineering. But as I was going through the coursework, I really saw that this was just not for me and also just was not worth the time and this little sacrifice in order to get the grades in which that I would want, right? So when I took my first microeconomics course at Spelman, I just fell in love with it. Just being able to, you know, understand human behavior Mm -hmm. through the lens of incentives and as well as how everything was interconnected. And then from that class, I just kind of took a deep dive. I read every type of novel in which I could get my hands on. One of the first ones was Freakonomics. Mm -hmm. That's actually where I discovered that this was my chosen career path. A lot of people that follow financial news and business news probably see economists on television. But tell us a little bit more about what it's like to be an economist. What is in your role? what you do, what is your day-to-day like as an economist? Mostly what we do is look at data and we try to find the patterns through historical data analysis to predict the behavior of what's going to likely occur in the future. And of course, you can never do this without considering new variables, especially in these times, like we have things such as COVID and as well as technology. So mitigating some consequences in which that the economy could have suffered from 
in its current state. That's what we mostly do. And of course, try and find the link between certain events as they occurred throughout history to explain what is happening now. I would say that that's what most economists do, and including me in a nutshell, but with my job, it's just a bit different. So yeah. So, what would you say is the biggest challenge that you face in your, in your role as an economist? My biggest challenge is basically having to answer hard questions with a answer that may or may not come true. So everything becomes like, it just depends. Mm-hmm. Or if something happens to occur suddenly, such as COVID, or even like this Ukraine versus Russia thing, it's like all of your predicted results kind of go out the window. That's right. the biggest challenge. The constantly changing world. Yeah. I don't remember who it was. I think it might have been Ronald Reagan that said, bring me a, a one-handed economist because economists have a tendency to say, on the one hand, you can have this outcome, and on the other hand, you can have that outcome. <laughs> Predicting outcomes is, as I'm sure, a, a huge challenge in your role. What's something that's happened in your career that kind of threw you for a loop or wasn't quite what you expected? And you know, Obviously, when you started out in college, you, you anticipated that you would be an engineer, But in your role as an economist, what's something that's happened that you didn't quite expect or were quite ready for? I would say that what occurred last year, especially with like that Build Back Better plan that was basically being very much so advertised by the Biden administration. The previous company in which I worked for, we were all betting on that bill to pass, especially because of how it seemingly went through the first stages of Congress rather smoothly and like everyone was on board. So when that did not happen, it kind of threw our business strategy and as well as plans for a loop. And of course, predictions became very much so shaky. Right. So that was, I would say, the biggest challenge because that, I mean, that threw off, I think it was quarters three and four of last year, at least four. Mm -hmm. Yes, I think all the way through probably... October and November, everybody still thought there was a chance, mm-hmm. right? It's like the, the classic line from Dumb and Dumber, right? So you're <laughs> saying there's a chance that some form of Build Back Better would come out before the Christmas recess. That's a great transition into the topic of the day, uh, economics, and, and would love to get your thoughts and insights on what the current economic environment is. Some people are in the camp that we will have a recession in 2023. Some people are in the camp that we're already in a recession. I happen to fall into that camp. But we'd love to get your take on the current economic environment and uh, where things might be headed. I have two answers for this. Mm-hmm. I do think that there will be some type of recession either at the end of this year or at the beginning of 2023. Mm-hmm. According to how the environment is right now, as we all know, We have very high inflation, and as well as we have the war in Russia and Ukraine impacting energy prices right now, which are also driving things up from transportation to the grocery store, including how we get our consumer goods. Mm -hmm. We have this rise in wages in order to compensate for this new cost of living, at least in some places, right? Mm -hmm. However... I've also been reading reports from some trusted economic forecasts, especially from the University of Michigan with their RSQE forecast or what have you, 
they actually predict that due to the fact that inflation is rising, so people who previously did not seek employment would actually do the opposite. So this not only adds to the workforce, well, it increases output and as well as contributes to consumption. So with that being said, I have seen some people, especially within my network, transition from being solely focused on entrepreneurship. They've gone to either hourly or salary jobs due to the cost of living. So Mm -hmm. I just think that that can't really be determined until October, November to see, because either it's going to have the effect of like, you know, what we've all been expecting, which is the recession. In a sense, this is a perfect storm for that particular outcome, but also people who previously were not seeking traditional employment are now coming back to the workforce. So we'll see. Right, right. Unpacked a little bit of the the survey that you mentioned for Michigan for some of our listeners who may not be familiar with that particular study and what the potential consequences of it are, if you would. Yes. So with Michigan's um, RSQE, and for those who don't know, too, it stands for the Research Seminar Quantitative Economics Forecast. And then so what they do is they predict the economy all the way out until 2060. I think that that's like their new marker year. They take historical data from what the Fed's previous actions were in environments such as the one which we're encountering now, and as well as different aspects of the macro economy. From there, what they predict primarily is that due to the fact that we're still having some supply chain disruptions, people who are coming back to the workforce will actually help soothe those particular bottlenecks. And then so this will cause output to increase as well as consumption, because now since you have more dollars that are circulating the economy and in a sense that's stabilized and that's not from just the stimulus packages that the United States receive during the pandemic. So in a sense, instead of the economy going into overdrive because you have no one working, but yet everyone is consuming. Instead, it's going to come back into, in a sense, an equilibrium. Rather, the demand and consumption will now kind of come to a leveling off or a balancing act. But one thing in which they did mention that report is that this assumes that when the Fed decides to raise the rates as they've begun now, that this would um, basically have a rather quick effect, particularly taking place in quarters three and four, rather than things just kind of, it's taking longer than expected. But they did also mention that when it comes to housing, which has been like a big thing with the economy, is that affordability is not expected to cease until late 2023 especially because you still have a lot of unhoused people or people who are seeking mm-hmm. housing but simply can't afford it. So, It seems to me that after the financial crisis, which was started as a result of the housing crisis of 2007 and 2008, builders and financial institutions both kind of got very conservative in housing and housing projects. 
And so the total inventory of housing, I think, is still very low. I know in Atlanta and community I live in outside of Atlanta, uh, there's just not enough houses for the people who would like to buy them. And so until that problem writes itself, I agree, I think you're still going to have inflated housing prices because you know, people have to buy what's available. And then you know, there's going to be increased pressure as a result of something else you mentioned, the rising interest rate. We've got 50 basis points in May and another 75 basis points in June. And we'll get something probably this month. Are you in the camp that we'll get 50 basis points, 75 basis points, nothing? I'm predicting 75 basis points, especially because as they want to essentially create a soft landing for the economy. So therefore, I feel as if that because they are, in a sense, taking a semi-aggressive approach to the rate hike, I think that it will just continue, especially because I was reviewing some of the inflation rates. And if I'm not mistaken, is that I think it was in 1984 that the interest rate was, I think it was like 13.74%. If I'm not mistaken. And before they decided to raise the rates, it was like, I think that it was like a little bit half of that particular number. So therefore, mm-hmm. I think that in order for things mm-hmm. to kind of go back, we'll normalize prices unless there will be like more wage hikes. So I think that mm-hmm. they'll take those measures. I heard that Larry Summer did an analysis, uh, Larry Summer's former Treasury Secretary did uh, an analysis and he compared the way that we account for housing, the equivalent rent, I think is the proper verbiage, uh, but the way we compare housing now as opposed to when we compared it in the 70s. And when you normalize that comparison as it relates to inflation, so, you know, housing inflation now is very high, and obviously housing inflation in the 70s and early 80s was extremely high. When you normalize that and use the same measure, where we are now in terms of interest rates is very similar to where we were then. And so I think a lot of people have the perception that the 70s was was so much worse than it is now because you did have rates that were in the teens. Mm -hmm. I think you had prime in the teens uh, during that period. But now we're at prime at 4.75%. And and I agree. I think that we'll probably see that go up another 75 basis points or 0.75% this month. And so I think that's probably going to put us in a very similar footing than than we were in the the 70s. And like I said, I'm I'm in the camp that I I believe we're probably already in a recession. Uh, We got a negative print for first quarter and the uh, Atlanta GDP predictor, I think I just saw it on the 28th, is predicting negative 2.1% for the second quarter. Mm-hmm. So I, I think we're probably already there. And I think that could be a good thing, right? I mean, if we're a quick and shallow recession, that can be a positive. But we'll, we'll see. You, you mentioned employment. I think that's a very interesting take on employment. What, what are your thoughts about the overall labor participation? Because you know, that's one of the concerns that I have is that the unemployment rate right now, and I know, you know, we can we can all argue about how reliable the unemployment rate is and what it actually is measuring and how useful it is, but that's the measure we have today. But 
the unemployment rate right now is, is what, 3.9%, I believe, or in that neighborhood. That's extremely low. It's, it's probably the lowest in several decades. You're of the belief that there are people out there who are not working or who have alternative employment options, perhaps some of the, the gig economy types will come back into the workforce and some of the lack of supply in terms of employment will go away and that will help to, to mitigate some of the wage inflation. Is that kind of what your thoughts are? Or is that representative of what the Michigan study? So I think as you summarized it just now, and then I think that you bring up a great point about how that 3.9% is relatively low, but I also think that it does not tell the whole story because you have a lot of people who are underemployed especially those who primarily participate in the gig economy. If we go deeper into the numbers as well, mm-hmm. that percentage is actually higher for different groups. So I know that with mm-hmm. Black and African-American people and as well as Hispanics, those numbers actually do not tell the entire story mm-hmm. at all. I think that we have to take like, like that 3.9% with in a sense, a grain of salt, because it can be misleading because one would think that, oh, yeah, we're doing extremely well, despite what's going on. I think that part of the challenge is, I haven't looked at the numbers recently, but I know immigration Mm -hmm. to the United States is down pretty dramatically from where it was probably 12 years ago. And, And I think that is also contributing to some of the unemployment that you see, you know, when you go to buy groceries or go to a restaurant and you see the help wanted signs everywhere. I think that's a, a contributing factor, but I, I do agree. I, I think that there is a significant gap in what the real full employment numbers look like and where we are today. And I'm not entirely sure how you bridge that gap, but I, I, I do think that there is a gap there that, that needs to be at least, if not addressed, considered. So let's kind of apply these these issues to entrepreneurs, right? And kind of bring this full circle because this show is about, you know, entrepreneurship and how entrepreneurs can raise capital and grow their business. If you were consulting with a small business owner and they're struggling with, you know, their supply chain and their cost of goods, what are some things that you think they should be thinking about in terms of how to make that pivot, right? Because I have a, a friend of mine who owns a, a, a business and he has to, <laughs> a part of his, his business, he has to buy and source uh, bananas. And, you know, he, he had mentioned that, you know, everybody's complaining about the cost of gas. Well, the cost of bananas has doubled for him. And so for entrepreneurs like that, that are having challenges, similar challenges, right? They, they have a business, their business needs whether it's food or gas for trucks to make deliveries, their costs are going up. What are, what are some things that they can do to kind of address those issues in their business to, frankly, help them survive? Well, the first thing that comes to mind is substitutes. Like, I'm not sure of how to substitute bananas, but... <laughs> I mean, other than um, the fact that you have to find some type of supplier that would give you those type of advantages. But I would say the primary thing is substitute. Mm -hmm. As you said, pivot, offer something else 
within your particular business line. Whether that is like, for example, if he sources bananas, the first thing that comes to mind is that if other people desire to get in the same line of business, you could possibly offer a class or even like your sourcing list or teach people how to do it. And of course, like that's in the same line of a class that also goes into um Another trend in which that we've been noticing the economy, people have actually been investing in more services than core goods in a sense, right? So therefore, if you can find a way in which that you can leverage your knowledge and experience in whatever industry in which that you may be in, this would prove good to your revenue and as well as help you gain more exposure in whatever in which that you may be doing, uh-huh. if you cannot find substitutes. Mm-hmm. So, what are your thoughts on price increases? Right, uh, you, you know, obviously everything costs more now. Mm-hmm. So, for, for entrepreneurs that you know have a an inventory dependent type of business where they're producing this that particular business, it's a juice and smoothie mm-hmm. business, right? So, you know, they have to have you know, various fruits and vegetables to produce juices uh, and smoothies. You made a great point at the outset. You can't really substitute a banana right now. You might be able to substitute a banana for an apple if you know the cost of the apples is not increasing at the same rate as the cost of bananas, and maybe you sell more apple uh, juices or smoothies, apple-based juices or smoothies than you do the banana-based. But what are your thoughts on potentially increasing prices and, and you know price elasticity or inelasticity? So are you referring in the context of like the supplier or more so consumer buy side? For the supplier, right? So this this guy owns a, mm-hmm. a smoothie business, a juice business. He's got to have fruit. And most fruit, if not all fruit, is, it costs him more. He's probably having to pay more in terms of wages. What are your thoughts around entrepreneurs' ability to raise prices? I guess that would be one. And then two, what are your thoughts around to what level? You know, it can be difficult, I think, for some businesses that cost them $15 an hour to hire someone. And, you know, a year ago, it cost them 10 and it cost them maybe $1.50 for a bunch of bananas. And, you know, a year ago, it was $0.49. Cents. In those instances, you know, they've got to either absorb those costs and accept thinner margins or... They can figure out maybe potentially a way to raise their prices. So, so what are your thoughts on how they could go about potentially raising prices without running off their customers? You know, because it's a it's kind of a fine battle, right? As far as pricing strategy, I would definitely recommend doing it incrementally, mm-hmm. just so customers won't be like too, in a sense, turned off by the new price increases, but also the point of a business is to generate revenue and as well as make a profit. So I think that it does not make economic sense for business owners to absorb prices. I mean, unless you're someone like a Walmart or something like that, those big corporations can, in a sense, afford to eat the cost of of rising prices. But if you're a small business owner, the whole point is for you to expand or if you're going more so towards the build and sell route. So therefore, it's important that you understand 
what is your goal here? It's generally understood, especially in economics, that when the cost of goods rise, or rather like when the cost to produce goods rise, it is assumed that business owners will push the cost to their um, consumers. So, I mean, people understand, especially in this environment, I mean, they see increases in the gas pump with groceries, and I'm pretty sure they'll understand the same thing with something with bananas. So, <laughs> right. I mean, in a sense, it's expected. So, right, right. Yeah, I, I think where we are now is probably too far to say dramatically different where we were maybe in January of this year. Um, and I think probably in January, it would be much more challenging to push those increased costs onto the consumers. But I, I agree. I think now everyone has pretty much accepted the fact that everything costs more now. So, uh, as, as a great philosopher said, today's price is not tomorrow's price. Right. <laughs> or, tomorrow, or today's price is not yesterday's price. Right. right. So, so, so uh, we, we all recognize that. And, and so I, I agree. I think people probably are much more receptive now to and receptive may not be the right word, but accepting of higher prices because everything seems to have gone up. Well, I greatly appreciate it. Let's wrap up with a few closing thoughts here. Where do you think the economy goes longer term? And I know it's tough to ask an economist you know, to do long-term projections, probably with the exception of that Michigan study. That's, that's very interesting that they try to do 60-year projection. Mm-hmm. Um, but w- where do you see us in, in the next three to five years in terms of So in the next three to five years, I definitely see the housing market cooling down, especially as there has been local and as well as federal efforts to increase the housing supply, particularly so it'll be affordable for all and not just for some, in a sense. And also with the same environment, depending upon how these current Supreme Court rulings go, because as we know, politics does play a role in economics. If there's more regulation, I think that that would be something that would also cool off the the commodities uh, market, depending upon what is going to be regulated, right? Um, because sometimes with more regulation, this can cause more bottlenecks or it could lead to... Mm-hmm. I'm like the opposite effect as well. Right. So as far as the job market, I do see more people being involved in the labor market as long as we have more corporations such as the Amazons of the world coming into fruition, which is something in which that I think that how things are going as we transition to like this more convenience-based economy, mm-hmm. that will definitely happen. And also another prediction which I have is that people's job roles won't just be specific to a particular company, but rather people will be more so just paid to perform particular roles for different corporations, which would also further transform the job market. And then as far as population, that's going to be a tricky one as well, because as you noted, that migration has gone down. And then with these Supreme Court rulings, it's kind of hard to say. But overall, I see the United States and the new rising China being somewhat in competition with each other. So I just think it'll just breed more innovation and our economy will keep growing 
but more so on the mm-hmm. technology side. Those are my predictions. Okay. Okay. If you could start a business tomorrow, what would that business be? The business I would start tomorrow mm-hmm. would most likely be my own economics consulting firm. Mm-hmm. And then so it's a way for me to not only bridge my experiences in which I've had previously in the workforce, but as well as to help small business owners who look like me and who are also within my age bracket to expand and use the same tools in which that I basically give to the Fortune 500 companies or hedge funds who can afford a very thorough analysis. So that would be the business I would start tomorrow. Awesome. Very cool. Well, we'll be looking for that in the future then. It's definitely. <laughs> so where can our uh, viewers and listeners find you on the old interweb? What are your socials, etc.? This is your opportunity for shameless self-motion. <laughs> okay. So I am the junior economist on all social handles. It's J-U-N- I-O-R spelled out. The only place it's not like that is on Twitter. Um, you can also find me at www.thejuniorconomist.com and as well as on LinkedIn at Gaisha Blackshear. Thank you so much. Wonderful. And we'll put that in our show notes. Thank you very much. I greatly appreciate it. And uh, we would love to have you back perhaps when we get some interesting economic reports coming out. Maybe we can have you on to chat about those for just a few minutes, maybe when job numbers or GDP or something like that comes up, we'd, we'd love to have you back to talk about it if you're, if you're open to it. Yes, definitely. And I've enjoyed myself, Corey. Thank you so much for having me on here. And also, I look forward to future shows as well. My pleasure. Thank you for tuning in to the Source Capital Podcast, where we focus on helping small business owners because we believe entrepreneurship is the best path to self-reliance, self-determination, and self-ownership. I'm your host, Corey Townsend. For more information, check us out at YourSmallBusinessBanker.com or at YourSmallBusinessBanker on Instagram or Facebook. And remember, as legendary cartoonist Walt Disney used to say, think beyond your lifetime if you want to do something truly great. 